Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and to those who are new to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Aetherius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, life on other planets, and much, much more. Today, on Aetherius Radio Live, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be talking about an intriguing topic, the close encounters of Mary King. So, without further ado, I give you Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. It's great to have Nikki back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful, yeah. Yeah. And sounding in top form, I must say. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, thank you. I hear, Richard, it's you did... Um, I'm sorry, what was that, Nikki? No, I just said thank you. It's great to be back. So over to you two. Thanks. I hear, Richard, you did um, a lecture at a UFO conference on Saturday in, uh, I think, near yes. Blackpool in England. It was Sunday. How did that go? Yeah, on Sunday. It was, it was, it Sunday, was uh, marvellous. I've been there before. It's the International Probe Conference, which I do recommend. It's up in, it's near Blackpool in a place called Lytham St. Anne's, if, those, if anyone knows that. It's a seaside resort. And the Probe Conference is held there generally twice a year, and I've had the pleasure to speak at it on several occasions. Uh, but it was particularly significant to me this time, Chrissy, because the subject of the talk was the title actually was Dr. George King, Cosmic Avatar. And, wow. you know, over the years, we, you, I mean, I know you had a very successful event this weekend at a local festival too. Um, and we've, been, we've spoken so often about UFOs and, you know, the cosmic message and, and the fact that Dr. King was the channel and the contactee. But on this occasion, uh, you know, I was able to just, and, and the probe are so uh, welcoming and cooperative and allow me to say whatever I want to say and speak about whatever I want to speak about. And I could come off, you know, really speaking what I was in my heart, which we speak about here on Theorist Radio Live, of course, every month, which is the fact that Dr. King himself was a cosmic avatar and one of the very greatest who ever walked our earth. But Chrissy, you had an event too, didn't you? Tell us about your event. Oh yeah, yours sounds fantastic, and hopefully um, that you might venture the way of Michigan at some point. And this love radio to. show is I'd based absolutely out of love to. And give that same lecture, but that's no, um, I'd love future. to. But yes, had a had a good event called UFOs: The Spiritual Message. So. Mm. Um, we got 22 people. It was at the Festival of Enlightenment, which is held at Henry Ford uh, Community College, so quite a lot of students. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, yeah. of those 22, it was a fairly small festival. Seven of them had had very interesting sightings, actually. Um, and I found Good. out that Michigan is, is quite, um, there's quite a lot of sightings uh, recorded in Michigan. I think 170 last year recorded sightings. I'm not saying they're all really? genuine, but it, there's quite a lot mm. of interest here in that subject. Mm, which so is actually interesting because. Sorry. Uh, now I was, I was just going to say there that one of the titles I remember when uh, you know you and I worked together here in London and doing publicity and giving talks and so on, and we used to talk frequently. At least I did to Dr. King about it all, and he knew we did a lot of promotion around that topic, and we did a a whole focus one year. I think it was 1987, both in LA as well as in London. And I do remember Dr. King suggesting himself a title for a lecture, and the title he suggested were, was UFOs Are Here to Stay. Oh, wow. I like that one. Mm. That was his title. Well, that could be and a we did do lecture, it once, I think, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But you've <laughs> got another you. one, haven't you? You've got one coming up uh, this week. What, Thursday, is it? Yes. 
It's Thursday at the Aetherius Society in Michigan, Royal Oak, Michigan, and that one is titled, it's going to be a different tack from the last one, is titled uh, The World Without Flying Saucers, Lifeless. You know, Super, similar yeah. to the one that um, Allison uh, did. Yes, that's right. That went down really well. Recently. Yes, mm. yes indeed. So. Yeah, and that's a, another Jot to George King title because it was the front cover of an early cosmic voice. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think we're in the right terrain today, then, Chrissy, because we'll be talking about undoubtedly some of the most unique and outstanding close encounters in history, certainly modern history, uh, and that, and something, funnily enough, that we very rarely speak about, even though it is part of the annals of Ethereum Society history, and that is the close encounters, of course, of Mary King. Yes, yes. So perhaps we should mother, start, yes. indeed, by saying a few words about who she was. And as you rightly say, she was, was uh, the mother of uh, Dr. King. And I think when we sort of get into them, people are going to be so amazed by them. They, they'll probably wonder, you know, why this could happen to any individual, really. Because they, we're talking today about physical encounters, not, not uh, communications or channeled messages or you know, anything like that, but actual physical encounters, which is, is rare. It's not unknown of. I mean, I had the pleasure to meet uh, the late Dan Fry, for example, in, in California, who had an outstanding contact in the early 50s, which I included in my book, UFOs and the Extraterrestrial Message, uh, where he was taken and, and revelations were made to him about Lemuria and so on. And also, of course, Adamski's early contacts and others. But these ones, I think, Chrissy, uh, are absolutely unique. And, and it must be to do with the karmic position, this is what I would like to say, that Mary King put herself in, and well done her for putting herself in the karmic position to have these outstanding experiences. That's an interesting thought. Would you like to explain you know, that to, to the listeners? Yeah, well, listeners I, I've sort of... Come, yeah, I'd love to, because I've come to the conclusion, just generally speaking, and this is my own view of it, although I'm sure it's not unique, that the secret on the path nowadays, the path that we follow nowadays, karma yoga, king yoga, uh, the, the secret is to put yourself in the karmic position to do as much good as you possibly can. It's as simple as that. It's not about just having a wish or a dream or a hope, or even an intention. I know the New Age movement focuses a lot on intention. Intention of itself is not enough. It has to be made manifest. And that's only done through karmic manipulation. And, you know, so I think the secret is really to put oneself in that karmic position. Um, and if, you, if you're not in that karmic position or any of us are not in that karmic position, we won't be able to sustain it, to do the greatest amount of good for others, much as we might wish to, um, or believe in it. Mm. We won't be able to do it. And Mary King, I mean, I think for two reasons, that I know of anyway, might be others, did do that. And I think the main reason, by far, would be the fact that she was the mother of, of Dr. George King. And, you know, it's not unique. There are often, actually, um, incidents, a co great and glorious incidents, we might call them cosmic incidents or spiritual or heavenly incidents, around the mothers of avatars. I mean, we know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, according to the Bible, was visited, I believe, by the angel Gabriel, um, whoever he was or whatever he was, the mother of Samson, <coughs> excuse me, likewise, who Samson's mother who wasn't able to have children and there was no treatment fertility treatment in those days she also was visited i think by an angelic being i think is is the phrase in the old testament or something like that and there about then she was able to conceive the mother of the lord buddha had outstanding experiences and likewise the mother of dr george king had these outstanding experiences um, and, but in her case, after he was born, after she raised him, and she, and this is, I will say, absolutely in her, with great respect to her, was completely open to his claims. And I think in that one respect, 
he was fortunate. He was very unfortunate generally because uh, he had to suffer the privations of living on this planet. But he did at least have a mother who was fully believing and fully open to all his claims, accepted them, and even in these encounters was chosen, I would say, to endorse them. Very interesting, yes. I mean, I see that as the real purpose behind this this series of encounters, Chrissy, to um, to a terrestrial person, which she very much was. Let's be clear here. She was not an adept. She was not a master. She was of this world. She was a terrestrial woman. I suppose in the period we'd be talking, I don't know exactly her age, but late 50s, early 60s. Um, and, you know, some ways very down to earth. Psychic, yes. Her mother, too, was a media mystic, even more so, actually. But she wasn't uh, an adept. So we can't compare the experiences that she had at all, and then we must make that clear, or the claims that she made at all with those of Dr. George King. So, for example, if she stated that she had a particular message or particular words, it will be reliant on her memory of it um, and... You know, I'm sure it's done in good faith and it will be broadly correct, but we couldn't look upon it as being verbatim necessarily in every respect. I would say that would be my view because she wouldn't have the capability to ensure that it was verbatim and, and everyone can get a few things wrong, especially if you're trying to remember something, you know, sometime after it actually happened. But having said that, uh, we can be sure of the experiences that... Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll mention the ones that we can absolutely verify because they've been independently confirmed that they happened uh, by either Dr. King or a cosmic master or both. Yes. Mm. There's certainly a so, very fascinating series of contacts, are they not? Uh, communication, they are. contacts, and so on. Yes, so, indeed. Looking indeed. forward to the show. <laughs> Yes, well, let's get started. So I think it's interesting, uh, I should say, that we're talking about this when we are, because, of course, last week, March the 15th, was the correct birth date on earth of the Master Jesus, and in the Ethereum Society we celebrated this uh, throughout the world, and it's, it's very fitting in this same week to be speaking about one of particular close encounter, because the other thing, and I, in my opinion, a lesser thing, than being Mary King, was as in a former life, she had been connected to the Master Jesus. And this is also revealed in these, in these experiences. And fully believable to me, uh, maybe, the reason why she was chosen and given the privilege of being the mother of a cosmic avatar in this life. Um, and undoubtedly through that she had a particular link with the Master Jesus, and that becomes very significant, as, as you'll see if you're not familiar with her encounters uh, as we progress during this program. So, shall we start, Chrissy, by just going through the full list, because I think people are going to be amazed just how many encounters she actually had. Would that be, shall I start by doing that? Yes, that sounds like a great idea, Richard. Okay. Well, first of all, um, listeners to Ethereus Radio Live will all know that the most important day, really, in May, other than July the 8th in our calendar, uh, was May the 8th, 1954, in some ways. I've, I've got to qualify that by saying, actually, the second most important date in our calendar is October the 26th. But in some ways, we wouldn't know about October the 26th. In fact, it wouldn't have happened, uh, certainly in the way that it happened anyway. We wouldn't have known about July the 8th, uh, had it not been for May the 8th, 1954, when the command took place. And so that's when it all really began in the history of the Aetherius Society. And throughout the rest of 1954, he was starting to receive communications from the Master Aetherius, as well as advanced uh, communicators on the higher realm, such as the Master Chang Fu, for example. And this all led up to 1955, which is the year that, uh, the, uh, that Dr. King regarded as the beginning of the Ethereum Society, because that's when he stepped forth and in Caxton Hall, a big hall in London, in Westminster, started to receive in public 
transmissions from the master Etherius in particular. And then, you know, he became known, he revealed himself. And it's a very, very poignant fact, Chrissy, that at the very first transmission that he ever received, the very first day that he decided and was had the courage to go public. I mean, you know, we, we've experienced over the years scepticism when we talk about our beliefs. But can anyone imagine what it could have been like in 1950s London, just after the war, a very conservative, socially conservative period, a very, very uh, orthodox Christian period uh, when things would be regarded as heretical and wrong and, and so on. And he stepped forth in January of 1955 in public at the Caxton Hall and revealed himself as a contactee and a medium and took public transmissions from the Master Ethereus. A very courageous act. And Chrissy, I don't know whether you were aware, but at that very first lecture, I'm going to use this word. He didn't use this, but I'm going to use this word. He was betrayed by the people in his circle. He had a small circle who were, who were attending his residence or other residences in, in usually the Maida Vale area of London. Um, and when he received messages, but when he went public, not one of them supported him. Did you know that? Really? No, I did not know that. Not one of them attended, and he wasn't even mm. warned. They didn't even warn him. He just turned up there. He was completely alone. And that's the kind of man. So that's the background I'm setting. And then, then it started to get more popular. He started to attract a following slowly, and it got known. So 1955 onwards. Now, the period in which Mary King claimed, and as I say, several of these are verified by other sources, absolutely dependable sources, to have had her close encounters was from then, from 1955, through to 1959. So that really is the period we're talking about, and only that period. After that, Mary King... Um, well, went down a slightly different route, let's put it that way, more of a healing route. Um, I would say a much less important route, but nevertheless, that was her choice and she had every right to make it. And it certainly didn't contradict what she'd done before. But the highlight of her period was that, that period 55 to 59. And the very first uh, contact that she felt she had was probably in early 1955. That's when she witnessed a, a, a UFO. That's not unusual, as we know. And she believed that she received certain telepathic impressions. She was living in Essex at the time, in, in England, and she passed those on to her son. But it was later, it was either late 1955 or early 1956, that she and her husband, George King, now, in those days, or very often, in this country anyway, people would christen their children by their own names. So George and Mary King had two children who they called George and Mary, although Mary right. was generally called Molly, uh, not to confuse her with her mother. So anyway, late 55, early 56, they were living by then in a place called Berinaba in Devon. Some of our listeners will know Berinaba, and we know the house. It, it can be seen that she was in, and... She and her husband had a physical visitation from a man who was dressed in rags, but who was uh, clean, perfectly manicured, and demonstrated powers. He, he knew their names, he knew the existence of their son, and there are other factors which we can recap on later on. Uh, when we, I'm just giving a broad summary at the moment. So that, if you like, was the first verified, because this was... Uh, confirmed by Dr. King, he believed this and confirmed this, that this was indeed a cosmic master who was dressed like a tramp, but in fact clearly wasn't, as listeners will gather uh, when we come back to that experience. The next one, then, there was quite a gap then, until January 1958, and that's when she saw from her bedroom window a spacecraft. She actually saw it landing, and she heard it too. She said it was like a dynamo-like sound. It was brilliantly illuminated. And that's where she saw four figures moving around it. And again, she believes she received a telepathic message from them. Uh, that we haven't had verified, but it certainly was published in Cosmic Voice, which is significant indeed. Now, the next one 
was a visit by a Venusian master. Now this one uh, was absolutely verified and this took place by now. She moved a lot, Mary King, by the way. In fact, this was one of the banes of our master, Dr. King's life, because as a child, they'd been constantly moving and, and it left a, a, quite an impact upon him for the rest of his life, actually. He, just, he didn't like packing, he didn't like moving, because throughout his childhood he'd been moved from pillar to post because one of the things that Mary King did as a profession was to uh, redecorate. Nowadays they call her an interior decorator. I don't think there were such things then, but she refurbished and decorated houses to a good standard and then they moved on, sold it, moved on to another one. And so this one was in um, a place called Barbrook, which is in the same area. And this one was confirmed by our masters as, quotes, one of the best physical contacts yet reported on Earth. And it was also confirmed by the Master Ethereus on February the 11th. So we'll come back to that. That was a visit to her house, a physical visit to her house, late at night, probably in the early hours of the morning, actually, of January the 25th, 1958, by a master from Venus. It's all building up to something. It's very, very interesting. Now, on later that year, she says that she had an audible communication from interplanetary government, and it was a short message, a warning of some danger which she passed on. That wasn't, if you like, a close encounter of the same kind. Uh, it's just something she reported that was reported in Cosmic Voice. Then we come on to August the 23rd, and this is the third, the third direct physical contact with Mary King. It is quite amazing. We ha we're only warming up at the moment. And this was in her garden, which was now she'd moved again to the outskirts of Coombe Martin. And it was at approximately 3.45 in the afternoon. Now, on that day, August the 23rd, 1958, Dr. King uh, led a rally in Trafalgar Square in London for the truth about flying saucers to be revealed. And they chose, or this, this cosmic being chose, to pick that moment to visit her in her garden in Devon while this rally was going on in Trafalgar Square. And again, a very, very brave thing to do in those days. I mean, I remember, Chrissy, and I'm, I imagine you do, I'm sure you do, because we worked together in the 80s. If you went out and said, there's a cover-up, the governments are lying to you, they've got more information, you would be regarded as a, a dangerous nutter by some people, a conspiracy yeah. theorist who's out there for even saying it. Now, if I went out now, and I made this point up in, uh, in, at the conference of the week and everybody agreed, because some of them had a lot of experience of this, if you went out now and you said governments are telling you the truth, you can believe every word they say, you'd be regarded mm -hmm. as an absolute nutter. I mean, we know we've got... Look what's going on now. I mean, you've got uh, one president saying another president wiretapped them and somebody's lying or somebody's got it... And nobody's even surprised. Um, but in yeah. those days, people believed their governments. Can you imagine in 1958, somebody leading a rally in Trafalgar Square, which for those who aren't in Britain is a, a massive, uh, very popular, very significant location in London... Um, it's got the well-known Nelson's column in it, for example. Um, you know, leading a rally like that was very brave. Well, at that moment, Mary King, who was in her garden in Devon, was contacted by someone that our master described uh, as, quotes, a great adept. So that was physical contact number three. Now, now it's moving up a, a notch to so the next one. So it's all, 58 was an extremely active year. Of course, it was the year of the 12 blessings as well. So number four was a direct physical contact with the captain of a Martian spacecraft. And this captain, it wasn't revealed at the time, but later it was revealed, was actually Mars Sector 8. And that's very interesting indeed. Now, Mars Sector 8, we've spoken about before. There's lots of enigma, lots of mystery around Mars Sector 8. I would certainly believe that he had um, a real connection, to put it at the very minimum, with our own master. I would tend to believe 
that his interventions in this, which, as listeners will hear, were, were major, um, would be largely in deference to our master. And it's interesting fact that Mary King told a number of people in London who then passed that on to people like me and possibly you, Chrissy, and others, that Mars Sector 8, the captain of this craft, looked like the picture on the back of You Are Responsible of our own master, Dr. George King. That's what she said. Did you ever hear that, Chrissy? Mm. Well, I yeah. have, but I think I heard it from you, Richard. But yeah, yes, well, I heard I didn't it. Hear it directly I can tell... from Doris, but yeah, Doris strong. Robertson, the mother of Keith Robertson, who was here for years, a very great lady, worked very hard here. She was the one who told me and others that Mary King had told her, and I, I think it's come through other sources too. So, I mean, I can't explain that other than to pass that on as an anecdote, and that's all that we can say that it is. It doesn't come from Dr. King. But it uh, it's comes indirectly, we're told, from Mary King. Anyway, this particular uh, experience happened on September the 10th, not too long after the uh, Trafalgar Square Rally Day, um, 1958 at 2 a.m. And she was told to be prepared for a rendezvous actually on September the 15th at 3 a.m. She was advised not to eat or drink for 24 hours beforehand now, she was then living on the outskirts of Coombe Martin, and the location of this was 100 yards, approximately, she said, from her house, inside a field on the left of the road. Some of our very keen members have actually gone down there. Actually, uh, John Stevenson and Gwyneth Evans-Wilcox did an excellent article on, in, in, in a copy of the newsletter uh, on the various uh, houses that Mary King lived in and, and researched in. It's extremely helpful, actually. So this location was 100 yards from her house inside a field on the left of the road. It was down the road from her house on the outskirts of Martin, and it was a particular gate to a particular field, and she went through that gate. The spacecraft landed in front of her, I'm sort of abbreviating this, she was invited in and taken to meet the captain of the craft, as I say, who was later revealed to be Mars Sector 8. He showed her around the craft, uh, answered many questions. She met four other crew members and described it as, quotes, the strangest and most wonderful day of my life. And this is the key thing. Although they didn't take off in the craft at all, she was promised a ride in the vessel at a future date. So that's physical contact number four. And here comes perhaps certainly the most significant of the wall, one which is mentioned in the 12 Blessings. In your 12 Blessings book, you'll see this described, uh, and it's described on page 11, uh, certainly of the, new, of the current edition. And this is uh, a major event which we're going to major on Probably after the break, Chrissy, we could start majoring on this yeah. event a bit. Um, this took place on January the 19th, 1959, between 12.30 midnight and 3.40 a.m., uh, when she was taken by Mars Sector 8 and his crew on a journey in his craft. So she went to the same field, she was collected in the same craft, but this time she, it took off. But she was told before she went to take publications... And she took, actually she was told to take the book, and she took several publications, and one of which was The Twelve Blessings, which had just been published. I mean, it was hot off the presses. The spacecraft travelled through space, went into a mothership, and that's where she met the Master Jesus, and also, and this is where it all ties up, the Venusian who'd visited her, if you remember, on January of the previous year, 1958, in her cottage. So the martyr Jesus then consecrated the 12 blessings, placed it in a casket, and took it away. And interestingly, uh, and let's just, I'll just remind people what I said earlier, of course this is from her memory, but it still could be accurate. Certainly, if it's not absolutely word perfect, it'll definitely be the spirit of what was said. Uh, the martyr Jesus declared our master to be, quotes, a leader among men of earth in this their new age 
And this contact was confirmed unequivocally by our Master and published in the Twelve Blessings as well as in addition of Cosmic Voice. And you can get all the early editions of Cosmic Voice, you know. You can download them. Uh, go to www.ethereus.org. You can order them all. And this one is issue number 20. And it tells the whole story. And after the break, we're going into it a bit more. But before we do that, I just want to add, there is, and this will be absolutely brand new information to nearly every listener, probably every listener, there was another, because it was brand new to me a few months ago, it's only because I've been researching the biography that I even came across this at all. Uh, there was another journey later in 1959, on September the 3rd, which she says uh, she was taken in a spacecraft again by Mars Sector 8, and this time she was taken to the Himalayas to meet the Lord Babaji. And more of that later but I think we should probably have our break now, Chrissy, unless I haven't let you get a word in. I'm sorry. Is there anything you want to add to all of that? Well, the only thing, you reading them all like that, I've never actually read them or heard them one after the other. You do get the impression, I mean, it's fantastic. You get the impression uh, that it's a subtle sort of strategic build-up to, you know, the her going on board and meeting the Master Jesus and so forth. Definitely. It's, it just Definitely. reminded me of the whole strategy of the cosmic masters being so subtle and so um, strategic. Mm -hmm. uh, you can see the pattern, can't you, when you listen to it you can. in the way that you said it. It's very interesting. Thank you so much. That is interesting. Thank you. For presenting that. Well, it's my privilege. So shall we hand over to Nikki now for our halfway mark uh, announcements, and then we can go in depth into that contact you referred to. Absolutely. Let's hear Nikki. Wow. Our producer. Yes. Yes. Wow. The revelations keep coming. <laughs> Thank you, Richard and Chrissy. You are listening to a serious radio live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze talking about the close encounters of Mary King. <clears throat> we may not be fortunate enough to have the close encounters experienced by Mary King, but we can certainly find out more about extraterrestrial activity. On Thursday, as mentioned before, March the 23rd, at the Michigan branch of the Ethereum Society, Chrissy will be giving a lecture on the world without flying saucers, lifeless. This will take place at 7.30pm, and more details, please visit ethereusmi.org. Having heard about these cosmic intelligences, we will also have the fantastic opportunity of actually cooperating with the very gods from space. 12 Midnight GMT, April 18th, held in what is known as the first hour of the first spiritual push for 2017, when a serious society centers worldwide be welcome into orbit of Earth, a giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite. This floods our world with much needed spiritual energy and during this period, which lasts until May 23rd, all spiritual actions are performed with a, performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. You are warmly invited to attend one of our centers for the potent first hour service and any of our services and activities held throughout this period. You can also tune in to the wonderful energies of satellite number three at home every day throughout this period, especially when performing the practice of the wonderful 12 blessings. Every Saturday and Sunday, you can join in with the live online services. And to find out more, please visit 12blessings.org. That's 12 in digits. Further information can be obtained from our website, ethereus.org, together with details of the various publications and audio titles available on CD or download. For more information about events taking place at the London Temple later this year, please visit the website london-temple.org. Well, that's it for now, so I'm very pleased to return you to your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Thank you, Nikki. Wow. 
Thank you, Nikki. Actually, April the 18th is, uh, is an amazing day because, of, as, as Nikki has described, there are two other things happening on April the 18th, of course. One is a very important birthday, Chris's birthday. She's going to be, uh, you're going to be 50, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And the other thing, of course, is Ethereus Radio Live. We have our show on that day and we're doing Solving the Energy Crisis, aren't we? Absolutely. So it's going to be a mm. fantastic day for me, that's for sure. And me. Well, <laughs> would you like to lead us then into this amazing, what Dr. King, and I'll quote him exactly, talks calls one of the most important physical contacts ever made with space people? Yes. As we discussed prior to the show, Richard, I'm going to read um, part of the description. This is very long, mm -hmm. as you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to read it fairly fast, but please feel mm -hmm. free to stop me at any time. Mm -hmm. uh, to make Absolutely. Comments. So just before you do, shall we just set the scene, just remind people again what has happened. Mary King has walked out of her house on the outskirts of Coombe Martin in the early hours, January the 19th, and walked to a particular field where Mars Sector 8 has, has landed his spacecraft. She's been taken into this craft, uh, the craft has taken off, is taking her into space, and Chrissy is going to uh, read some of this now. Thank you, Richard. In focus on the black screen, there are a couple of screens in, in the room where Mary King was, came a brilliantly illuminated object. It got larger and larger on the screen, and for just one odd moment, I was terrified. I thought... Disaster is imminent now. It's coming right into us. What on earth can one do? The captain was in the control room and I was alone. And yet I don't think any power on earth could have moved me from the room. I was determined that this go was going to be the red letter day of my life. This light got closer and closer, brighter and brighter, and then I saw that it was not round as it veered off the screen, but it was long and huge. Then suddenly it dawned on me, a mothership. I think I must have shouted, because in a few moments the captain popped in, just nodded that everything was all right, and went out again. I thought, now my friends are in that ship. Who are they? I don't know. I soon found out, believe me. And then this was part of um, an interview of Mary King by her son, uh, Dr. George King, and he is asking her questions, so I'll, read, I'll just say question. You learnt afterwards, the question was, I understand that the space vessel you were in actually went into the mothership for this contact to be made. Mary King, yes. When the ceremony was all over, I asked the captain, and then he explained that from 25 up to 200 similar vessels can go into these motherships. Question, it seemed to go into the mothership at considerable, considerable velocity, at terrific speed. That is why I thought about disaster, Dr. King, which means, of course, that the two ships were moving along at a fixed speed, that the craft you were in was moving a little faster than the one in front of it, caught up with it, and then you went inside. That's right. That is what happened. Is there anything you want to add, Richard, before I go on to no, the No, no, I'm enjoying, um, I'm enjoying listening to, to you. So okay. Please carry on. Dr. King, would you continue from there, please? Mary King. In a few moments, I felt something funny going on inside of me. A terrible expectancy. And in came the captain. I looked at him to try to read something in his face. Just a little smile at the corner of his mouth as he came and stood by the table on which was placed this heap of books in plain envelopes. In a few moments, the door slid open again. And then, what did I see? The Venusian master who had visited me some months before in another part of Devon. And Can we with pause him, there? Yes. That, that's a reference to the master who came to Barbrook uh, to see her. If you remember, the first visit was the Tramp, physical contact, and that was in um, Berinaba. And then the second physical uh, contact was in January 1958, 
was the Venusian who came to see her and had quite a conversation uh, with her. And interestingly, both those two, one thing they both demonstrated, those two, two contactors, not contactees, was um, the ability to dematerialize. Um, and in the case of the first one, I think both Mary King and her husband saw the so-called tramp completely disappear in front of their eyes into invisibility. And a similar thing happened with this one that's referred to here. She didn't, of course, then know that he was in any way connected to the master Jesus. This was, uh, he did refer to his master, but didn't say who it was. So I'll leave it there, Chrissy, and you, and you can continue. Thank you, Richard. The Venusian master who had visited me some months before in another part of Devon, and with him, above all beings, the master Jesus himself. Not the master Jesus of the horrible, crude pictures with blood streaming down his face. Not that master Jesus, but the real master Jesus with the same eyes, the same love. Dr. King, how was he dressed, the master Jesus? Mary King. He was dressed in a spacesuit. They were all in spacesuits. But the front of the spacesuit of the master Jesus was highly ornamented with a brilliant white shining star that stood out, I should think, two inches from his breast. Some kind of jewel? Yes, a terrific jewel, but it was cut like a pointed star. How many points did it have? Did you notice? I think it would be five. I'm not quite sure of that. What color was it? Oh, it was a white stone, white, and like a diamond, it shone every color. Do you think it was a single stone or made up of a lot of stones? It was definitely a single stone. One single stone that was cut so beautifully and it shone every color, more colors, I think, than we are used to. Can we pause there, Chrissy? Please. Absolutely. Uh, just, just like to remind listeners, of course, that not too long before this, Dot King himself had had an amazing contact, direct contact, with the Master Jesus on Holston Down, just down the road from where this one took place. And a much, much more significant one, actually, because in this one he had charged Holston Down and started the mission called Operation Starlight, which we've spoken about before. And in there, in the book, Jesus Comes Again, actually, we have a booklet of that name, which people can order. I do recommend it. You'll get a very, very beautiful and detailed description also there of the Master Jesus, which doesn't in any way uh, conflict with this description we're hearing from Mary King. Thank you, Chrissy. Yes, thank you, Richard. That's a beautiful little book, isn't it? The one you mentioned. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'll continue. What color was his spacesuit? His spacesuit was brown. They were all in brown. Even the captain, who usually wears a slaty blue one, was in a brown suit with a decorated belt. I call it a decorated belt but I believe it serves a purpose other than a decoration. The Venusian master, the other one, had much less trimming on his suit, but still the gold embellishment at the front. The master Jesus, from neck to waist, was embellished in gold with this mighty jewel. He had on a brown suit? Yes, a brown suit. It was the same color as the others. His face was that lovely cinnamon brown, golden color, not pink and white. No beard, but long hair, gray whitey hair, not as white as the other Venusian master, but about the same length. Jesus had blue eyes, very blue, beautifully blue. I think most of the Venusians have blue eyes. The Martians do not. What happened then? I naturally screamed out with joy. I said to the captain, why, that's our dear Master Jesus. He just nodded in agreement. Oh, I said, don't let me sit here like this. Let me get up and kneel at his feet. Then Jesus came forward, and seeing that I wanted to get off this reclining chair, said, oh, beloved child, remain seated. So I thought, what a kingly thing to do. I watched him as he walked slowly with the Venusian master to the table. 
The Martian captain stood to one side of them, and I watched every action. Jesus stood in front of me, between me and the screens by the table, and looked across at the captain and nodded, saying, Give me the book. So out of the pile of books on the table, the Martian captain took one. Comment. I should just like to put something in here which is rather interesting. All these books were put in envelopes of the same kind and size, so therefore he must have had some kind of second sight to be able to see through this quite tough brown paper envelope which book he was picking up. Can we pause there, Chrissy, please? Yes, I just want absolutely. to explain, if, if I could just explain, that prior to this contact, uh, Mary King was told to bring the book, and she called uh, Dr. King, our master, in London, to Theorist House, and told him, and she wasn't told which book it was, uh, and so Dr. King uh, actually packed all of these books and put them in brown envelopes, and therefore to... Um, the Martian captain, who we later found out, of course, was Mars Sector 8, um, they wouldn't be clear visibly, just from looking at these envelopes anyway, which book it was. It could have been The Practice of Ethereus, it could have been Contact Your Higher Self Through Yoga, or, or perhaps A Cosmic Voice, uh, but in fact it was The Twelve Blessings. So they were in a pile of books. That's what Dr. King in that comment is there referring to. Thank you, Richard. Mary King. He picked one up, and I remember thinking to myself, I wonder which one that is, because there was no means of telling to an ordinary being. I bet that's the Twelve Blessings. Something kept shouting in my head, but there was no sign from them as to what it was. I know that it was the bottom but one of the pile. He handed it to Jesus, and Jesus took it in his hands and laid it flat across them. He lifted up his hands and his head at the same time, right up high, and then he invoked a blessing on the book. She says, I have already told you his words. Richard, shall I um, repeat the words? Yes, please, yes. This came in another, um, another description that was written and reported in this cosmic voice. And here... Jesus took it in both hands and turned to the table, and this is what he said. O supreme master of all creation, higher than the highest, mightier than the mightiest, greater than all greatness, we bring to thee this offering in great love and humility from our beloved brother of earth, George, the one whom thou didst choose to be a leader among men of earth, in this, their new age. Yes, and can I just that, say... Yes. Oh no, I, I, sorry, just to come in there, that one statement about our master, which he calls George, the one whom now does choose to be a leader among men of earth in this new age, it's not something that Dr. King pushed about himself. Uh, but we, it's high time it was pushed. Um, that's why I was delighted to be speaking about Dr. George King Cosmic Avatar this last weekend and it's exactly why this year we're really pushing and promoting and re-titling uh, if you like our path as King Yoga so sorry I thought I'd just throw that in but don't oh, let me stop the flow of what you're saying no, there, very Christian. interesting thank you and then of course the book was blessed by the Master Jesus and I'll just read this couple of sentences Blessed is he who, reading this book, does understand. But exalted is he, even among the angels, who, reading this book, doth take it to his heart and follow its precepts. Tell my son that this book is now and forever will be holy. Yes. So, in other words, every time that a person has, gains a copy of this wonderful book, they're blessed, if you like. It's a holy book, blessed by the Master Jesus. Yes. So I'll continue. And then, uh, yes, please Sorry. do. Yeah. Well, all I was going to say there was, and that in itself is, as far as we're, we are informed, is completely unique for the Master Jesus to, to bless a book. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 
wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I'll continue, sorry. Um, yes, please do. A question from Dr. King. Yes, indeed. You have told us exactly what the Master Jesus said regarding this book. There is one point, though. You told us that it was placed in a casket. Did Jesus place it in the casket himself, or was it placed in for him, Mary King? As he had finished blessing the book, he lifted the lid of the casket on the table, which had been brought in by the Martian captain, and placed the book in it. To my surprise, it fitted exactly. Envelope as well? Envelope as well. Then he closed the lid and turned to face me. He was only about two yards away from me, and he made that lovely beatitude. It was a blessing on all those who read the book. I have told you that on my recording. I think that's all we Thank have time you, to read today. I think Richard. so. It's absolutely beautiful, and I do recommend people to go back, and you'll find reference to all the encounters that uh, uh, that we've mentioned, but especially this one in Cosmic Voice 20. And you'll see reference to it on page 11 of your copy of The Twelve Blessings. But since we have a few minutes left, I would like to mention the other experience, Chrissy, unless before I do, there's anything you want to add to those words? No, I don't think so. I, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about the next... Um the next contact because I had never heard about it before so please do carry nor on me. nor me until very very recently and this is, this is something that really caught my attention and we came across a tape recording in our archives and of course we do store everything it was completely new to me though and it's a recording again made by Mary King because what she would do is make a tape recording uh, on a reel to reel tape in those days and then send it to her son, bearing in mind that uh, Dr. King went to uh, America to start to extend Operation Starlight and do an American tour in June of 1959. And then this particular experience occurred, according to her tape recording, in, on September the 3rd, 1959. And we have no record of any response by the master to it, our master, Dr. George King, or any comment, I haven't found anyway a record, of any comment made by any cosmic master about it at all. So I'm just telling you what we know, and I'm also telling you what we don't know. And it's a very interesting account, again, of her being taken up in a spacecraft, again, by Mars Sector 8. It was September the 3rd, 1959. And this was a journey to a destination unknown that she says that she'd been promised. And she was taken uh, very quickly. This time, actually, unusually, she felt a little dizzy, she says, and a bit quite sick and felt like lying down. And they were going at considerable speed. And then they arrived at the Himalayas, and she first thing she felt was the coldness of where they were. So this wasn't so much deep in space as another part of this planet. And she was taken into what looked like a cave and landed there, and she got out, and so did Mars Sector 8 get out. And they were met there by three beings, she says. And in the middle, the middle one, she says, was uh, the Lord Babaji himself, you know, the great avatar, the lord of the earth, uh, the greatest master on earth. Uh, the, the lords of the flame, of course, not being on earth, but within the earth, uh, by far most wonderful master and now head of the spiritual hierarchy of earth. We, and one of the adepts, one of the six adepts. And it seems to me from her account that the reason that she was taken to meet uh, the Lord Babaji, uh, was so that he could tell her more about her own son and who her son is. Uh, and according to her report, various things were said, but this is an interesting little passage. Uh, she was quite overcome by him. The two others with him, there was one on each side of him, didn't say anything, but accompanied him, according to her report. And she said this at one point, Now, I said, I would like to know something more about my son, please. I said, I know that you know a lot, that I'm only his mother, and there's so much that I don't know. 
And I'm just reading her words. So Mars Sector 8 looked at Babaji, and there was a slight nod of the head. And the Lord Babaji turned to me, and he had beautiful wide open eyes, eyes like a child almost. I think they would be grey. They were lightish in colour, but in the blue light you couldn't see very well. And he said, the last incarnation for your son was on, and then he gives the name of a certain planet, not of this earth. He was a scientist of great repute, a worker of miracles, a solver of difficulties, a great planner, but none for himself. He was offered the choice of advancing to greater worlds, but chose earth to help mankind, and all the cosmic world rejoiced. Now, that sounds credible to me, but that's just my view, um, Chrissy. I mean, frankly, you know, there's one great thing about Mary King, I would say, which is that she was totally open to Dr. King's beliefs and experiences. And not all mothers would be, and not all mothers would be to much, much lesser experiences and vocations and callings than Dr. King had. But she accepted it fully. And there she was being told that her son came from another world and she accepted it immediately and without any problem or emotional reactions or anything like that. And that in itself, I think, is quite something. Mind you, if you were taken in a spacecraft to the Himalayas to meet the Lord Babaji, (laughs) you you probably would be rather accepting. But that's quite an incredible thing. And I, I also think that it was obviously part of the plan that a terrestrial, our master not being a terrestrial, had to independently verify the experiences of Dr. King and the teachings that he received, and perhaps the only person with the correct karmic pattern, and it brings me back to my first point of the broadcast, was his mother. Hence, she was chosen to do it. But the important thing was it was a terrestrial person verifying his experiences. It goes on, and she said, this continues, she says, isn't that wonderful? Do you think I will remember to tell him? It quite comes over as quite down to earth, really. And he said, you will never forget. And she said, please tell me, what is this plan that you have for my son as a leader or teacher? I'd like, I'll f- like a word to put to it. And Mars Sector 6 then said, our chosen adept, adept will do quite well. So I think that's a rather wonderful little incident and there's far more to it than that and I'm sure that more will be revealed uh, in the biography and elsewhere. But um, finally she asked, what will be his destiny? And the reply from the Lord Babaji, his destiny you ask? A great and shining avatar. Oh, well we know that's absolutely true. (laughs) And that is absolutely Thank true, so but that, much, was in really. ni- that was in 1959, though, uh, mm. before, uh, you know, in those days, he was re- referred to even among his colleagues as George. He was very down-to-earth, very humble, and maybe yeah. that's why he didn't reveal this particular experience, because it was about him. That's what I would think, knowing him as I did, and knowing how humble he was. He didn't wish to talk about himself, and this reveals his true greatness, even then. Wow, that's really fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing that on Ethereum Radio Live, Richard. It's really amazing It's a scoop. Experience. It's certainly a scoop. It's never been scoop, revealed, yes. as far as I know, anywhere before. And oh, on right. that note, perhaps we need to hand over to Nikki, our producer. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And over to Nikki. Gosh, what can I say? But thank you so very much, Richard and Chrissy, for once again sharing your deep insight and amazing, amazing revelations during this show. You have been listening to A Serious Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month. The next show will be on April 18th and will cover an important subject which affects us all. Solving the energy crisis. For more information on the fascinating facts mentioned in the show or to connect with the Aetherius Society, please visit aetherius.org. 
You can connect with your hosts, Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence, by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and have a really wonderful rest of the day.